We are really excited that the paperwork is officially in and we can finally announce that we are now sponsored by Amazon's audiobook website, Audible. Audible has worked with us and is giving our listeners one month of their subscription site and an audiobook of your choice absolutely free of charge. All you have to do is go to rtpbook.com and sign up for Audible. They will give you an audiobook and a free month subscription upon sign up, and every month after you get one audiobook credit for $14.95 a month. However, you can cancel at any time in the first month and still get to keep the audiobook as a gift from them. Audible has top-selling audiobooks that are great for coaches, like Bill Walsh's The Score Takes Care of Itself, Urban Meyer's Above the Line, Alex Kirby's The Big Book of Belichick, Tony Dungy's Uncommon, and many other big-name titles. Me and Walls are both getting signed up for Audible, and we'll keep you guys updated on the books we're listening to. Again, go to rtpbook.com to get your free audiobook and a month subscription that you can cancel at any time. That's rtpbook.com. Also, we now have two designs available at our RTP store, available as t-shirts, long sleeves, and hoodies. Our newest design is a cardboard sign that has Will Block for Food in Sharpie lettering, inspired by my days in Houston. Check out under the store tab at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It is the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Go check them out at teamattackacademy.com. On episode 7 of Run the Power, we talk with Lauren Montgomery, head coach at Bigsby High School in Bigsby, Oklahoma. Coach Montgomery has a tremendous knowledge in all areas of program development, and he has a thirst for more knowledge and understanding on a daily basis. Coach Montgomery has won three state titles at Bigsby in 2014, 15, and 16. Prior to Bigsby, he was the OC and O-line coach at Jinx High School for 10 seasons, where he was a part of five state championships. Listen to us talk with Coach Montgomery about starting one of the best offense and defensive line camps in the USA, Eastern Oklahoma O-Line D-Line Camp, being a head coach, OC, and an O-Line coach, developing a coaching staff through clinics and education, and developing your strength and conditioning program to win titles. You can follow Coach Montgomery on Twitter at BigsbySpartanFB. Hope you guys enjoy. Perfect. Uh, we got Coach Montgomery with us. Uh, Coach, thanks for taking some time out of your day. I know you're busy, uh, but thanks for, time, uh, thanks for your time and talking a little bit of football with us. Well, my pleasure. It's an honor to be on here, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to just talking a little bit of football, a little offensive line play specifically. It's great. It's, it's the best part of the offseason. As bad as, as offseason is for coaches, uh, this is the best part of it uh, for me. Um, when I first uh, learned about you coach and I didn't even know it was you putting it on but it was my dad was a football is a football coach and uh, you know him obviously and the first thing that I learned about you without even knowing it was about you was about the eastern Oklahoma offensive line camp it's something talked about all the time when he was um, when I was growing up and coming up through Broken Arrow while he was at Berry Hill uh, how did you guys get that started and and how have you maintained it to have such a good uh, run so far Gosh, I think we're going on 15 years. I, I want to say that maybe, um, uh, gosh, I don't know. I want to say that maybe 2013 was our first year that we put that thing on. 
But I remember I was sitting in Coach Trimble's office and me being a young offensive line coach for him and uh, and I think in, in his, you know, completely different way of mentoring guys, uh, you know, I know Brady's worked for Coach Trimble, but in, in a little bit different way of, of mentoring, you know, he's like, well, Lauren, you know, we got all these guys around Tulsa, Jerry Ostrowski, David Alexander, uh, Gene Barrett was a guy that had played for the 49ers. He's like, we had to have an offensive line camp. Uh, here at here at Jinx, you know where I was at at the time, and and uh, and he said, well, I guess what I'm telling you or what I'm asking you is we ought to have an offensive line camp, but but you do it, ready, set, go. He's like, I'll help you with contacts and numbers and stuff like that, and so we put it together, and you know I think the first year we probably had 80 or 90 guys, and you know have have bounced back and forth with you know just depending on it, you know, and and everything now is marketing and social media, but. I think the last couple of years we've had 350 guys and, and I think our, our staff just keeps getting better and the guys that are working, the quality we have working it is better. And I, and I think it's a great, uh, great deal for offensive linemen. You know, there's all these top gun quarterback camps and, you know, all this, all this sort of stuff for those guys. And it's opportunity for the big man to get out and uh, to work on some of those finite skills and, and maybe hear it a different way. Maybe he'll hear, you know, how to take a, a reach step from me and, and it might click, you know, better than, than when he hears it from coach Harper every day. And that's what I always tell my guys, you know, it's an opportunity to, to uh, go out and, and uh, hear something maybe a little bit differently because ultimately most of us are doing pretty similar stuff. So, uh, so it's been good. And, you know, like I said, you know, going on 15, 16 years, something like that. What do you think? Um, like you said, it's, it's hot. It's in the middle of June, July, uh, you know, whatever it is that year. What do you think keeps, you know, I know you said it's all about marketing, but there's got to be something to it that, you know, kids, you keep getting these same repeat kids every year. Um, and you can't really attribute that to social media. So, um, you know, what are some of these benefits that the kids, the kids are getting from these camps? I mean, I know I see it. I love when my guys go there. Uh, to me, like you said, it, they get to hear it from different coaches, but they get to compete and they get to compete with pads on. Um, what, you know, what else do you think these kids are, are getting from that or, or can you expand on that at all? Yeah, well, I think you, I think you said it best. You know, number one, it, it is hot and, and all that, but we're not out there just grinding away at the guys. You know that. But um, it's an opportunity to compete. And I know, um, you know, me growing up, I, I played over at Sand Springs for Charles Page High School and a relatively smaller 6A school. And uh, I would have given any opportunity to get to go compete with a lineman from Broken Arrow or Jinx or, or uh, you know, one of the, the bigger schools in my mind. And, uh, you know, because always in the back of my mind, you know, I wanted to know how I stacked up against the very best. And so, so you get that, you get a guy from, you know, uh, all the way out in Alva, Oklahoma or cash or gosh, we've had guys everywhere. You know, we had a couple of kids from Texas last year and a couple of kids or quite a few kids from Arkansas and you know, you're going to get to compete against the very best. And, and I think also, you know, for those, for those guys and let's face it, offensive linemen are usually eating up with football um, to get to hear a, a story about, you know, J.R. Conrad at the University of Oklahoma, you know, playing with all those guys, or to hear David Alexander, you know, talking about playing with Jerome Brown or Reggie White, you know, those guys. I mean, I, you know, I think for, for the junkies, or maybe that's just me, I don't know. But I, I think for the, for the football junkies, and I think a lot of our offensive linemen are, um, it's just a great opportunity for them to compete and, and to – 
you know, expand their horizons a bit. Coach, I think I, I've recommended two camps to kids. Um, one, one of them is the All Poly Camp out in Utah, and literally the second one that I recommend is the Eastern Oklahoma O line camp, simply for the for the reason of what you've just been saying. And then it, when they're able to wear pads and the number of reps that those kids get. You know, I, I think there's so many underdeveloped linemen outside of the states like Oklahoma and, and Texas that don't have spring football. And, uh, and to be quite honest, the camps that they have in some of these northern states, I think a lot of kids can really benefit. That's why I told a couple kids in Colorado, dude, you guys need to take a trip out there and go for two days because you're going to get coached by some of the best. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think that's a good deal uh, as well. I think some of the some of the coaches, and it, it's been fun, you know, like I said, kind of watching it evolve. You know, Brady, you got to uh, be out here and, and coach it for a couple of years, and, and Rowdy now has been here for three or four or five years. I don't even remember, but it's fun to see guys coming in and that can kind of breathe some fresh air into it. And, you know, I know me as a coach, you know, I'm out there learning. I'm, you know – uh, last couple of years, Coach Clark's had me working a working a station, but when I'm not, I enjoy um, sidling up behind uh, uh, some of these coaches that are out here and, and learning terminology and learning a better way. You know, uh, of course, I've watched uh, a lot of the Charles Bentley's videos, you know, on drive catch and and stuff like that. But I was talking to Coach Greenwood over at, at Jinx uh, last year. And, you know, I said, well, no matter, you know, whether we do it on a board, no matter how many times we drill it, you know, my linemen still want to step underneath themselves on a, on a reach step or an overtake step or, or whatever. And he's like, well, I started, started drilling it from a knee, you know, like, like what Charles and those guys are doing. And, you know, I hadn't seen that particular variation of it. I'd just seen the pass sets, uh, you know, that they do with the drive catch. And, and it's something that we incorporated this year. And I really, really like, especially for those young ones that you're developing. Um, you know, just as far as uh, core strength and coordination, but I always steal something, and I know those kids do. And uh, and really, to be honest with you, the the little competition that we have at the end with the hog jousting is something I know a lot of guys come back for. We've got we've had several past champions come back just to watch the finals. You know, the next year, and so so that's always fun for them to to do that and to see who can get most improved camper, or camp MVP, or hog jousting champion. So I, I think there are a lot of things that go into it, and the, and the guys end up really enjoying it. I, I know my guys love the hog jousting, like you said, Coach. That, I mean, that it's almost something they'll talk about since since off-season off starts is when do they get to go back there, try to compete, try to win the hog joust. It really does mean something to them, like you said. Um, and then it, to go along with what you're saying about some of the quality coaches that you're able to bring in, um, I grew up around some of these NFL guys like Jerry O and – and Coach Alexander, he was my coach as a young kid, so I was almost used to him. But um, for some of these kids to come around, like you said, from different parts of Oklahoma and see these guys that have played in the NFL for 10 years, and then you get to see uh, JR come in and bring some of his LaCharles Bentley stuff that he has in and teach these kids and, like you said, teach me uh, as a coach some of this stuff and learn it from, like like uh, you said, again, Coach Greenwood, um, and we started – started implementing some things off of a knee from the Charles Bentley. It's just, it's great to see these kids be around some, some of these great offensive linemen from this area. It is. And, you know, you had touched on the, the hog jousting deal and, you know, I've gone through years where I've been, man, you know, I, I'd hate to get a kid hurt out here doing that. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, is it football? Is it not football? But I tell you what, man, 
um, getting your feet in the ground and working hand position and leverage and, uh, and and having to compete and battle like that. I've really seen some guys, maybe maybe some some guys that didn't necessarily like to compete a whole lot uh, that we've had over the years that I know that have played for me that have gotten in there and maybe done a little bit better or maybe a light bulb went off or, you know, oh, that's how that's supposed to feel you know, sort of deal. And so I, you know, I think it's, I think it's something that's been good and, uh, and no, the campus is a, a fun deal for us overall. And I'm glad I have the opportunity to, uh, to put it on every year. Coach, when did you guys add the, the defensive line? Cause I want you to get a plug for the defensive lineman too, because honestly, I think that's brought a, a whole nother dynamic to it as well. No, you know, uh, Coach Clark has been working, our defensive line coach, working with us here, I guess, maybe since 2014. And uh, the first year he's like, hey, can we get some defensive linemen in here? And I was like, well, you know, I got everything scheduled already. And, you know, just kind of doing it the way we've been doing it sort of deal. Not that that's ever a good reason. But uh, but so uh, the next year I said, well, the next year let's go ahead and, and get it going. And you start getting an idea of, of how we need to structure it and who needs to work. And you're right, man, it's just been a – a great dynamic. Now, all of a sudden, you know, when you go into live reads or when you go into one-on-one pass pro, you're not getting some, uh, you know, some big offensive lineman that doesn't care about rushing the passer. You're getting a real dude, you know, I, I, you know, big Mike uh, this year from Muskogee, one of their, one of their best defensive ends. I mean, he was getting after it, given, given uh, several division one linemen we had here working uh, good look. So it was, uh, it, it's good. And it's had a, a, a great new dynamic to it. And I think it's really good for our defensive linemen. Coach, like you said, sometimes you get to work um, some of the drills, just depending on how many coaches you brought in that year. Um, and, and we each as a coach get to choose our drill. If you got to just pick one drill, it's what you got to, to teach. And maybe you got to teach on it for a week. Uh, what drill, run drill, run blocking drill would you use uh, if you only got to choose that one? You know, uh, and and uh, I saw that question that you guys sent out on the questionnaire, and it, and it made me think just a little bit. And the, and so the the way I did it, of course, we've got our everyday stuff that we're going to do every day because I think it's important. And and you know, our, our steps on boards and you know all that sort of stuff, our drive catch that we started incorporating. But I tell you what, if I could only do one thing with our guys. I, it would be uh, working our different combinations and, you know, on our inside and outside zone. I don't know if that counts as a drill. I don't know what you count that as, but um, especially going back, you know, the last couple of weeks and evaluating a lot of our film and everything, uh, you know, some of the biggest breakdowns I see are, you know, coming off of a combo or not getting underneath or, or not getting our butts together on a combo and some of those things. And so, um, you know, I, I know it's redundant for our guys, but man, just, working together and working those fits and working proper hand placement, working proper foot placement. That's, that's the one thing that I would do if you said, Hey, you've got five minutes. This is what you got to spend your time or what are you going to spend your time on coach? That would be it. I, I love it. We, we work the same thing. Um, you get halfway through the season and you want to work these double team <laughs> drills. And obviously the best way to do it's against a live body. Uh, but when you start getting into the later part of the season, how do you start managing uh, hits on your players with double team and bags or or do you just stay with um, you know working against a, a defensive player even you know halfway or towards the end of a season 
No, and, and that's a real good question. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we're coaching high school guys. And so uh, me specifically, we're going to back off on our practice time just a, just a little bit. We're not going to work or I'm not going to work on bags probably just because, you know, we have the pads, we have the bodies. And, uh, and as, as far as practice goes, you know, I hear all different philosophies and all different things, but, but my philosophies always get our, get our horses to the race. You know, our first team guys are our first team guys because they're our best. And, uh, and so we're going to work on bodies, but at the same time, uh, we're not just going to beat the tar out of each other. You know, you get, if we're working a, a power combo to the backside backer with a three technique, you do it, do it right once. That's all we're going to do it, you know, um, and later on in the season. Let me rewind that just a little bit. Um, and I know you guys are asking the questions. I asked Brady this the other day, but on a power combo, Rowdy, let me ask you this. On a power combo, um, you know, working to a backside backer, are, are you a guy that's going to use a – well, I know you're a control step guy because I saw, saw that piece on your blog, but are you a flipper guy as well? Um, I don't get real into the flipper because just from experience, I think it kind of raises our, our chest up. I talk about more running our shoulder pad into the defense alignment. So we don't necessarily use a flipper. I would like for them almost to use their hand and get their elbow in, but just mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen sometimes. Some guys aren't as flexible. It just doesn't work. So sometimes it'll, it'll almost work to where as soon as our shoulder hits, it hits really hard. So our, our arm will kind of come up like a flipper, but we don't try uh -huh. to – we don't actually try to hit with the flipper part. We're trying to run our shoulder through uh, the defensive lineman. And, and the only reason really is just I think that gives us that much more movement and allows us at the high school level anyways to keep our pad level down. Um, we started trying to get real and you know, have a real ferocious flipper into people. And it just seemed to me to kind of raise up our pad level and, and not get as much movement as I would like against, like I say, a three technique. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was telling Brady this, I've been uh, 18 years of coaching and I've been staunchly against a flipper at all costs, you know, even though I've gone to cool clinic and everything like that. And I think it's kind of one of those deals that you have to evaluate why you're saying that. And I think it's a little bit, maybe a, a personal bias because went back when I played, I had a problem of, of using the forearms and flippers instead of the hands sometimes, um, you know, myself and and so I've always been afraid man if I teach that am I gonna are all my guys gonna be trying to to flip or electric football block and 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 all that now but uh but going back and watching the cut-ups I've got to do a power presentation at a glacier clinic coming up here in about a month and I've been looking at our guys we're looking at some end zone film and we control step it but uh but I've never taught the the flipper but what I what I see from one of my guys he's kind of naturally going to it anyway you know so so I don't know I don't know you know the best way to teach it or, or what's better I just know that I'm always looking for a better way and if if I can get more movement by using the flipper that's that's what I'm going to do next year and and if I make a decision that that that's not going to be what's best for us, then uh, then we'll keep doing it the way we've been doing it. I like so how because how, you know, sorry, Brady. Um, it's fine. You know, you've seen so much different change through offensive line play. I would assume, like you said, you've been in been in offensive line for you know a, a bunch of years. Have you ever taught you know say a near step, or you know how, have you seen a different progression come through that, or have you always kind of been uh, a gather step and then get into it. 
No, when I first started coaching uh, years ago over at Jinx, uh, we were always near foot to near number just immediately. And, uh, and, you know, and, and that's good too. I mean, we had some physical offensive lines and, and everything like that. But, but I think as football's progressed a little bit more and, you know, it, it goes through phases where you get more four man fronts than, than three man and all that. But it seems like with, uh, you know, when we started going through the four two five phase, the way people were manipulating it was always to to uh, move the front. And uh, with the near foot, near number, a lot of times we were giving up penetration and kind of getting caught with our pants down by stepping the near foot. And so um, once we kind of started going to, I think you call it a gather step, we call it a control step, whatever, with that inside foot, when a guy's trying to slant across my face, it gave us a little bit more control of that block. And then also, I feel like times times my punch up on my second step just a little bit better. I was just going to say, Harper. I mean, I I like what what Coach Montgomery had said. I mean, I think if you if you're teaching those guys, you know, a bunch of different tools, and then you start to see which ones they use better. So I mean, you could, you could use Harper's example. Okay, well, I got a dude that's that's popping up with his chest. Maybe okay, hey, dude, let, let's figure out something better for you. Whereas. You know, Coach Monty's got the guy that, that can naturally use the flipper and he's getting movement. I think you embrace both those things. And we kind of had that conversation in our first podcast about, you know, if a, if a kid's getting the job done, let's, let's not grade him on how he's getting it done. Let's just grade it on the results. But I think, no, you know. No, man, we had, we had a big guard last year. I've been watching these combos and, and uh, uh, back in 2016 and, and we had a physical, physical offensive line and, uh, in fact, our tailback had 49 carries in the state championship game. But um, but I tell you, we had a big guard that we didn't feel like was a great player. I mean, his his feet were, you know, not that great. He was physical. He was a big bench presser. And, uh, you know, but he's kind of a brawler. But as I go back on film, man, he did some really, really good stuff. And he was savvy. Now, was it the way that the exact way that we were coaching it and, and different things like that? No, his skill set was a little bit different, though. So I definitely think think that's a good point on you know take a look at your guys you know we had a five foot six center back in 2016 so his skill set is going to be better a little bit different than my six six tackle we had this year you know so no doubt I, I learned from Denver and, he, and he'd taught and or taught a lot of the, the flipper stuff and you'd see some guys use it and it's like you said you'd still see other guys they, they'd still use their hand and as long as they got mm -hmm. the job done you're just kind of like you know what most excellent. I always thought to me that the biggest thing on not getting split on a double was obviously we'd settle step with the inside foot, but making sure you're staking off with that next step. Because I, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's as soon as on the double team, if, if you're not both having, you know, the, those those two legs forward and almost like a almost like a triangle when you're double teaming the guy. If you're forming mm -hmm. a triangle with your feet between the two dudes, you are never going to get split. So if I had that foot, that knee, and my hip all together the guy's going to have to pick one way or the other and I'm going to be in yeah. pretty good position to take him. So. Yeah. We just call it pressed ham, man. We got to yep. press those butts together, you know? Uh, I love it. Walls. That's, um, and, and we talk about that a little bit. I think one of the, you know, something that's, you know, an oversight a lot of times is that second step has got to get in the ground before you make contact. I know everyone talks it, but if it, if it's in the air, when you make contact, now your hips open uh, you know, and you're not able to get your hips together. And then the other thing that started uh, helping us be a little more successful is we almost try to, you know, we want vertical movement, but it's really hard to get vertical movement if you're if you're the inside guy and you're working vertical because you're getting 
an entire defense alignment working half of your body and you're getting your tackle coming into you too. So we work to get it to go vertical. We work like an outside 45 degree angle. So we're trying to push him, you know, we're thinking push him at an outward 45 degree angle uh, by doing that as much pressure as you're getting from those two guys ends up getting uh, a vertical movement a little more. Yes. Huh, that's in, that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I haven't heard, heard it coached that way. I'm going to have to play with that. <laughs> that's um, what we do on this podcast, Coach Monty. That's right. Throw, <laughs> throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. And if you're not doing that, a few years ago we played uh, – uh, Ron Lancaster was at, at Muskogee when I was still over at Jinx, and I remember him uh, – I overheard him talking to Coach Trimble, and he said something about when you're green, you grow, and when you're ripe, you rot. So, uh, so, so you better keep growing, man. Coach uh, Montgomery, one of the things I've always admired about you, you know, and we've touched on it earlier, you know, you, you ask a lot of questions. You, uh, you're very inquisitive. You want to learn new things in the game. And, and for me, studying it kind of from, from the outside, from afar, I mean, I've, I've seen you guys, you know, dominate people in 10 personnel I've seen you guys dominate people in 22 personnel so you've done a good job being able to kind of play to your to your kids you know speak a little bit about you know kind of being able to reinvent yourself every single year maybe what that process is you know do you sit down with your guys you know I've had a a couple of coaches kind of ask me that you know how do you how do you reinvent yourself you know every single year to, to you know as you'd said before coach Lancaster said kind of stay green well, I think uh, I think it's important when you're a high school coach um, that that you are able to adapt your system. And yeah, you have a system, but but um, and I've especially learned that you know being at Bixby, a smaller school, where um, you know we don't you know always have two six foot three, two hundred forty pound tight ends running around, and we we can go twelve personnel all the time. In fact, our first few years we really didn't have a tight end. Our first couple of years we didn't have a tight end. Um, you know, in the, in the program, we had a young sophomore one, but it took him a while to mature. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, you have to have to take a look at those guys. And I would say what we do, um, about five weeks leading up to spring ball, maybe, um, right after spring break to when we start uh, spring ball, we, we meet as a staff every Wednesday night up here. We bring in, uh, we bring in food and we eat and have some laughs and just kind of go through, you know, all the stuff, um, you know, core values, all that sort of stuff we meet. And then we break up as offensive and defensive staffs. And we, we go through our installation schedules that we're going to put in, um, you know, and, and we watch a ton of film and, and we evaluate the guys on our on our, uh, on our roster and we take a look. And I know Coach Snyder, our offensive coordinator, he always has those guys um, in the offensive room list that the – the top 10 or, or 11 players um, on the, on the roster, on the offensive side of the ball. And so if these are the top 11 players, you know, uh, uh, what do we got to do to get them out there? What do we got to do to put them in a situation to be successful? In fact, we're kind of looking at that right now. We got a couple guys that are, we're our offensive line. Um, you know, we lose some good ones this year, but we got some good tight end type kids that are, that are really good blockers that, you know, if our best personnel group this year is, you know, 10 and 11, you know, uh, do we move those guys to the offensive line? You know, everybody's living the dream and they don't want to do it. But if that's what makes our team best, you know, maybe that's something we do. So we're already having those conversations. But as we get closer to spring ball and, you know, kind of start working on depth charts and, you know, our guys, uh, not all of our guys, but but some of our guys play both sides of the ball. 
So uh, uh, when we start breaking those guys up with our practice schedule, you know, we're going to look at those things and see, you know, um, this year we had a whole bunch of really good tight ends and we thought that, um, you know, and, and a really good offensive line coming back. And we thought that uh, 12 personnel, 21 personnel, you know, was going to be our best uh, best personnel group. And, you know, as, now that the season's over and, and looking how people played us and different things like that, I'm not so sure that um, – being kind of arrogant about that was our was our best uh, best decision. You guys get together on you know, the the Wednesdays or whatever. Uh, obviously, that's got to be a pretty good camaraderie builder. Uh, how important do you think it is to have you know kids be able to see their their coaches getting along and and having that kind of uh, brotherhood and that kind of bond? Uh, you know, I think it's key because you know we've all been in situations in the office where maybe a couple guys don't get along or. You know, um, I think it's important for the kids to see it, too, because undoubtedly you're going to get in a situation, a, a heated situation, maybe in a team session or a competition period, you know, because it's football or on the sideline or whatever with another coach. And so I think it's important that those kids see that there's a, a, a quality relationship established there, you know, on the on the off chance that, you know, there is a temper type situation or whatever. So, so I think it's key. And I, you know, I think that's one thing that we've really enjoyed here. I know coach Trimble, uh, when I, when I started working for him over there, he did a coach's retreat every year and would take us, you know, up to Grand Lake and, you know, we'd play golf and Dr. Hendricks would, would take us out on his boat. In fact, that's where I asked my wife to marry me on his boat. But, uh, but uh, it was a it was a big uh, team builder for us, and I know some of us guys really really enjoyed that, and it was good for us. So so I think as many hours as we put together, and when you get going in the season, it's seven days a week. You better you better find a way to get along with one another. You talk about um, you know shifting your offense toward what your your kids are are best at that year. I, I'm just kind of curious with the kids that you had. Uh, last year, what was what was your your guys' and I I don't know whether to say best or most successful. Um, what was the run scheme you guys were most comfortable with running uh, last year, and what kind of guys did you have that that made you guys successful with that run scheme? Yeah, um, that's a good question um, because you know I felt like as our season went on this year and. And we were pretty good offensively, not as good as we have been. But I, I never felt like we um, established a, a really good identity. And you guys know what I'm talking about because you guys have been part of teams where um, we know that no matter what, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to run the inside zone. We're going to run it well and whatever. And so um, our most productive play, you know, I on the on the questionnaire – I said, you know, define mo most productive. So if you're just looking at yards per play, our power play, um, since this is run the power, um, we average 7.8 yards per call and 6.8 yards per rush. And so the um, our average was bumped up a little bit there because we do throw the run game screens off of it. You know, uh, our power is generally uh, – we got some versions of post-snap read, but generally our power is what we call a read to run which is, uh, you know, a, a standard uh, quarterback read the end, you know, he'll pull it if not. But we've always got the option of pregame screen. And so we average 7.8 yards per call. Now, if you get to um, our most efficient play, and uh, what we deem as efficient is four yards on first down, half the distance on second down, and then convert on third, convert on fourth. Um, 
are we've got a little um it's an inside zonish and i say zonish just because it really works out being a, a man scheme uh run pass option play where we're reading one of the linebackers and we're blocking the backside defensive end kind of switching up roles of the backside tackle we were 65 percent efficient on that play and uh, and i think we were about six and a half yards per call on that and so it just uh, you know it, it all depends i'm going back and looking at cut-ups right now and you know wondering why maybe we didn't run run that play a little bit more you know so i think uh, i think maybe this year we became a uh, jack of all trades master of none sort of guy and i'm the world's worst about sitting in here on sunday saying you know what that's a really good look we need to do that but then at the end of the year you go back and you know, well, we ran that play 12 times. How hard did we work on it to run it 12 times? And it really wasn't that efficient. So that's kind of where we were at this year. And seven, eight, seven point eight yards per call. I know you're sitting there, Rowdy, saying, why'd you call another play? Yeah, that's exactly right. Sounds like, sounds like you should run a little more power. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good play. And you asked why that was a good, good call for us. We had some big physical, um, good offensive linemen that I felt like got a really good push on the power and uh, a couple of that we had a couple good tight ends that we could move around whether we were in 11 personnel using them as a sniffer or flex um, or 12 personnel and then uh, a really good running back uh, Tucker um, as a junior rushed for 2100 yards and then this year was was out for five or six weeks had a had a little knee injury and then we got him back but he's a you know an excellent power runner you know it's funny to see those running backs you know, uh, different running backs, I think, have a knack for, you know, uh, uh, different plays. And uh, he was really, really good at running the power, hitting that A-gap. No, you're, you're right, Coach. And, and uh, you know, obviously just just joking about telling you to run power more often. But um, uh, what I really enjoy watching you guys do, and, and it's been the past couple of years, is is how well it seems like you guys use uh, – you've played in front of us a few games, so we've got a, a little bit of film on you guys. But um, – how well you've used your two tight ends and then, um, you know, two receivers to one side. So the two tight ends uh, trips look. Um, yeah, it's uh, God's formation. <laughs> that's exactly right. I was about to say that's what Coach Alexander said. That's what, that's what, uh, Walls, that's what Walls loves. I, I love watching you guys do that. It just seems like there's so many gaps and, and you've got, you know, a boundary run, you know, away from the receivers and then you've got two receivers out there. You've got to really make a, a defense – uh, pick their poison no I think so I think uh, creating some more gaps and stuff like that actually one year uh, coach Alexander uh, my last year over there at Jinx uh, I opened up every single game and uh, uh, I don't even remember what we called them back Ra then Ra maybe it's race. race and lace race and lace yeah and uh, and so uh, anyway uh, we opened up every single game in that formation no matter what and uh, just kind of being cute, you know how that goes. But uh, but anyway, no, we like it and and like moving the tight ends around a little bit and uh, trying to see how those safeties are going to play it. You know, one thing I've noticed that um, you know when you're a ten and eleven personnel team, it's like the defense coordinators um, have the entire book, uh, you know, that they can throw at you from their uh, zone blitz package and stuff like that. But you know, you start in, inserting some tight ends and, and moving a guy over and creating some new gaps. Now, all of a sudden, that stuff doesn't look as good when you create more gaps. Or now, all of a sudden, when everybody's checking, maybe that defensive end and, and is concerned about long sticking and doesn't make it down into a gap or or whatever. So, um, 
you know, um, we have used a, a lot of that. Fortunately, the last couple of years, we've had some pretty good tight ends that are smart football players that we can utilize in, in, in that way. I, I loved having it on every single play sheet. I mean, j- just because, I, you, like you said, you, you settle them down a little bit, you're going to get a, a generic look or two, and there's always going to be ways you can attack. So, I mean, I'd, I'd tell Harper that's going to be in the game plan every single week. Yeah, and you know what? Um, uh, the thing I like about it, too, because it takes some pressure off of us, you know, you've got um, a plethora of boundary and field screens, uh, just depending on where you're going to put those guys. And uh, and uh, that, that, I think, takes a lot of pressure, you know, off of us if we're able to throw some of that and, and loosen up a guy from the box. And defense coordinators, do you play it like trips? Do you play it like ace? You know, I mean, I know, I know they have a lot of fits with, with that formation. Walls, is that the one you were watching the coaches, uh, the coaches clinic part of of one of the national championship games, and and that's what they were talking about saving, uh, hated uh, playing defense against. Yeah, the, the coach Bobo was on there. He was at at Georgia, and he said that you know Kirby Smart had said it, and he said you know Coach Saban said it. We we hate playing against this formation. It was always something he complained about, and I'm like, oh, there you go, Harper. Just what you yeah, needed to know, yeah. man. Well, one thing I've stolen from you, uh, Walls, is uh, um, when you were over at Jinx, you did such a good job on your zone plays, you know, folding all those linemen and, and uh, using the, the fold schemes on the backside of the zone. And that's one thing that, that we've gotten into it, that I really like. And it seems like a lot of times you can kind of dictate which way they're going to call their front when you are in, in the, you know, ace, you might not know, but but when you're in the A slot, you know, you, uh, you've got an opportunity maybe to, to pinpoint the way they're going to set their front, and it, it's going to help you call your zone play. And, and, and to me, if I can get a fold side on the backside, I'll take it every single time. Yeah, I, I loved it because, like you said, you, you get one high and you can run fold zone, now they're going to be a gap short. And then mm-hmm. now they want to play both safeties over the top of the, the two tight ends. Well, they're going to have to go corners over and they're going to have to play man. And if we had two pretty good receivers, you know, I, I had enough good man beaters, I thought, where I could hurt people if you wanted to go one-on-one. So it, it really makes them declare what they want to do. It gets to be some pretty fun stuff when you're sitting up in the box and watching it. Ultimately, if those defensive coordinators want to call your bluff and, and uh, come up and play cover zero, you got to have some guys, um, you know, and that's kind of what we got to this year. Booker T had – had guys that could cover our guys and uh you know and it, and it put us in a situation a lot of times where you know we got nine guys in the box and you can't block all those guys and so you got to find ways to get open and man coverage and uh and uh so if if those guys are going to call your bluffs all your rpos you know you know all your ace you know whatever they're going to outnumber you so so at some point, and you see it on you know you saw it this weekend on sunday some guys are going to have to step up and make a play when they get man you mentioned fold zone. Um, Walls has always talked about this, and it's been one of his, uh, you know, biggest sources of, of pride when, when it's coaching offensive line. And, and he would allow, not just with fold zone, but with a lot of different plays, he'd give his, his offensive line, you know, an arsenal of three or four different uh, calls they could make for any given play, depending on the front, let them lock maybe front side of power against under or uh, arc it or, you know, fold at different times but maybe not fold on every inside zone um something that i'd like to get to eventually but it scares me not having a set you know set of rules and instead let your let your guys play and let them make decisions a little more on the fly 
how much how, how do you balance that coach and, and do you have um, some things that you kind of give to the offensive line and let them make those adjustments during the game Harper it sounds like you might be a control freak man but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah no you know the thing the thing that I look for you know is our guys um, and, and once our guys have done it and they find out that it's a heck of a lot easier you know folding a, a five technique than it is you know just uh, grunting your way through and, and doubling him on the on the zone and uh, they're going to remember how to do it and uh, we've been fortunate enough to have some some really smart offensive linemen and I think you probably do too I know you've got one who I know is good I don't know if he's smart but uh, but uh, give them you know they like to have the freedom to call it and um, and I always do that. And, you know, we've gotten, you know, uh, through our call system and everything like that. Um, a lot of times, you know, it'll look like we're running a pin and pull play, but we're just running a, an outside zone play. And, you know, if, a, if uh, I've had the guys that I trust, you know, if they make the call that, you know, they're going to tug something or, or whatever, I let them go with it. Now, if we're watching the film the next day and, you know, it's a bad call or they're making a fold call, you know, down in a short yardage situation on a goal line where linebackers may be punching, you know, we're going to coach them through that. But I think the more autonomy they have to, to make those calls and and work through that, the smarter player that they're going to be, um, because they're going to learn from it and they're going to understand the situation and the whole grand scheme of things. Um, and the more they're going to enjoy it. That's kind of my take ever since we've started, uh, giving our guys that freedom. I, I agree. It was a, the same same concept for me. Is just th- those guys seem like they'd be just a little bit more engaged, and it's kind of like you know they they could have some fun with it. They could make up the calls that they wanted. You know, I had, I had something that I'd call it, but if they wanted to call it, you know, cheeseburger or something crazy like that, they could have some fun with it. You know, and it always became kind of a, a fun deal for those guys to say, you know, hey, coach, you know, could I lock this or you know, what, what if we fold this coach or, you know, would you think we need to zone this? It just got those guys thinking and asking questions. And you know what, when, when they're thinking about football, I think that's, you're kind of winning about 80% of the battle. Yeah, no, without a doubt, without a doubt. I like to walk into the room and, and say, did anybody watch that game last night? And everybody start talking about it. I don't like walking into the room. And sometimes we have these guys, did anybody watch that game last night? And they all have that blank stare in their face. I like guys that, <laughs> that watch football, that, that you know are are following O line after dark on uh, on Twitter and things like that, so that we can talk about those things and and those are the guys that are, that understand it. They can make those calls and you know in fact I think uh, allowing your guys to make those calls sometimes you can put a lesser physical guy out there on the field and and he might understand how to put himself in a situation to be successful. No question, Coach. I've been I've been lucky to to learn you know some of these things and others from from guys like Walls and then obviously our head coach right now, Coach Alexander, um, somebody that I learned from, gave me my first job, learned from, and I continue to learn from, and and honestly something that um, you know I sometimes take for granted being able to ask a former ten year NFL vet how to block something or or how he would do something, but. Um, who who were your mentors uh, coaching wise when you were getting started and and maybe even to this day who are you know maybe that's shifted now that you're a head coach who are your mentors uh, today? Well, the the first guy that that I would mention, of course, when I actually got into coaching was uh, was Coach Trimble. You know, Coach Trimble, I think could probably go out and coach any position uh, on the field. He's he's that smart of a guy and and has coached quite a few. 
And so, uh, but obviously, you know, looking at Coach Trimble, you understand he's probably a line guy and uh, and has played line and coached offensive line and coached some really good ones. And so he was kind of kind of one that always had my ear. Wes McCaleb, when I first started, was the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator over at Jinx. And, and he was really, really good. His style was completely different than anybody I've ever been around. But uh, he knew a ton of football and the kids loved him. And uh, he was really, really fun to work with, and so, so uh, he's been he's been really good. Um, you know, as as far as a, a go-to offensive line mentor, you know, I've enjoyed working with Coach Alexander. Obviously, we worked together for four or five years over there. I love uh, I love picking the guys that we have at O line D line camps brains, and then of course now it's a little bit different than I started. When I started, you actually had to go to clinics and, and everything like that. Not that we don't, but to get the information now, I mean, between, you know, uh, one-hour football and following these guys on Twitter, I mean, there's just a, a wealth of knowledge out there. And so, um, you know, my go-to guy, I guess I probably need a go-to offensive line guy right now. But if I see something that I like, um, I'm going to grab it, you know, uh, a, a guy that I always go back to and I've got his, his inside and outside zone DVDs, um, Alex Gibbs, man, he's kind of the, kind yeah. of the godfather of the, of the tide and white zone, I think he calls it. And so, uh, so anyway, I mean, he, you know, I've always enjoyed looking at his stuff and, and, uh, you know, uh, seeing how he gets to stuff. Coach, you'd said, uh, if you could sit down and meet, any coach you said uh Nick Saban you know why Nick Saban well because he's the most successful uh college coach in history I guess you would say right yeah um how many national championships has he won I think he's at five yeah yeah so so he's you know that'd be four here at Alabama and one at LSU I think but the thing that just amazes me is his ability to sustain success and uh you know, you hear guys that um, don't like, you know, working for him or working with him, you know, because, you know, he is who he is, you know, and I'm sure there's other ways of, of getting to getting to that and, you know, allowing guys to like you. I'm sure you don't have to be mean all the time, but uh, but nonetheless, um, his success speaks for itself. And you hear guys talk about his staff pregame meetings, you know, where you know, he, he's grilling the coaches on every single situation and stuff. I, I would just like to sit down and see what his week looks like. Um, okay, you know, what are you doing on this staff meeting and why are you asking that? And just kind of what's your thought process on, on all that? And I would just like to kind of be a fly on the wall and see how that see how that operates and just learn. Because, man, you know, as a, as a head coach speaking, I know, you know, I would just learn so much. Last year um, – I was at a Under Armour deal, and Navy's head coach don't have me, ask me to repeat his name. Um, coach Ken. was there, and his and his his son was a punter being recruited, and he said so. They've got all these deals, and the GAs would take a sharpie and write in, you know, register here or you know A through L here, and you know whatever. And uh, but no, when you get to Alabama, um, and he's like, we I always get there early because I like just seeing how everything operates. So we're there two hours early table set up everything's already uh you know printed out you know with national championship trophies you got that there's there's no traffic on campus at all that day but he's got two or three highway patrolmen out for all the recruits on junior day stopping traffic you know he's like and he just talked about that with Nick Saban no stone was unturned every single thing was taken care of and and you know there're just so many things that I know 
from my perspective that I miss or or I don't do that I need to be better at that, that he's one guy that I would absolutely love to to just sit down and be a fly on the wall and watch his week and see how he operates. I, I was always amazed too. I mean, you look at, and then I'd been studying some stuff off season here and, and you talk about coaches who are, are coordinator dependent, you know, how many different offensive coordinators has he had? How many different defensive mm-hmm. coordinators has he had that have gone on to get better jobs and he just keeps it rolling. So that, that, yeah. that, is, is an amazing thing to me. And it seems like he's able to go get guys at like faraway places. You know, it's not like he's, he's developing guys on his own staff and grooming them. He, he just like handpicks guys. You know, it's almost like he's watching film or he understands, you know, that guy'd be perfect for our defense or, you know, this guy would right. be perfect for our offense. I mean, to me, that's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got a, a model that he's working from. Um, and I mean, he's built that and he's worked for it, but uh, I think it's pretty amazing still when you look at, you know, and I know Alabama recruits the best, man, how many first round draft picks are out there, but just the way, especially a guy like him, that's not an extrovert guy and he's still able to go out and, and year after year after year recruit the very best in the country. Walls talked about his, um, Saban's coordinators, you know, going on to get better jobs or you know their own head coaching jobs that's always been my my big question for for head coaches is is how do you balance that with being excited that your that your coordinators have gotten good enough to where they've been offered a new job and maybe the disappointment of losing uh you know one of one of the best coaches on your staff yeah no that's a that's a difficult deal i know um my first year in 2000 when i coached i think Trim had to replace uh, five guys, you know, and we had uh, a new new offensive coordinator, and just, there were a ton of us that, that came in. I was just a, a student coach that first year, but uh, but nonetheless, um, he never seemed to, uh, you know, he never seemed to, to balk at all. I think, um, you know, a lot of times human nature, you know, uh, wants you to – keep things the same or whatever, but I think it's important, especially in the role of head coach, that, that you kind of understand that it's important and people are going to want to work for you if they're constantly feeling like you're making them better. And whether making them better is helping them get a, a job, you know, that they want to go get or whether making them better is simply, you know, providing the credit card number so we can renew our subscription to X's and O's to you know whatever whatever it may be but I I know me as a coach I constantly want to feel like I'm being developed and and getting better even as a head coach you know I want our administrators to to let me know hey you know we'd like to see you do this or have you thought about doing it this way or whatever and so that's a that's a big part of what we do um and I want those guys to to go on when they have the opportunity and I'm so proud of them the the guys that we've had to go on and and uh, win state championships or take over, take over programs and whatnot, um, you know, because I think it says that when people are coming after your guys, it says they recognize your program <clears throat> as doing as doing it the right way, you know. And so, like just for me, the one of the things that we do that I think is so important, I give our our coaches uh, exit interview at the end of uh, at the end of the season, and you know, I've probably got fifteen or twenty questions that I want them to answer and just talk about. You know, what are your goals professionally? Uh, you know, what were we good at this year as a football program? What do you have coming back at your position? Uh, what do you have to get better at? Because we all know what we have to get better at. And so it's usually easier if if those guys are identifying it and they bring it up as opposed to me. 
but then we're going to sit down and we're going to go over that evaluation and I'm going to do, um, I'm going to write up a piece on, on the things that I think you're doing really well and the things that I think are, are relative growth areas for you. And here's what I'm going to do to help you. Um, here's, you know, a book that I think you ought to think about reading or whatever. And, uh, you know, I was a little bit nervous about doing that because, uh, that's one thing that, that coach Trimble didn't do with us. And so I was a little bit nervous. I heard coach Blankenship talk about it at, uh, at a clinic one time. And I said, man, you know, that's a piece that I would love to have, but, um, I've grown to see that our coaches really enjoy it, especially the ones <clears throat> that have been around here a while, because I think they're really candid with their responses. And you know what? A lot of times I get some really good ideas on on what we can do to make our program better. So I think as a as a head coach, you constantly got to be uh, cultivating a, a culture, a continuous improvement. You get to talk to these coaches at the end of the year, um, and, and you you know you can kind of tell you've had. I'm sure uh, in your whole career of being a coach, you've seen good coaches. You've seen coaches that aren't as good. What are some of the 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 uh, attributes? the common attributes to, uh, you know, the good coaches that you've seen or that you've had coach for you? Well, um, you know, I think Nick Saban says this in his book, actually, it's attitude and work ethic. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you got to have guys that um, have a positive attitude. I think that allows them to get along with everybody. And, uh, and you got to be a worker. And then those two things, I think, are going to put you in position. You know, one thing, um, beyond that that I look for you know when I'm interviewing guys and stuff are guys that love football and uh you know guys that aren't going to mind you know not that I require them to sit up here but if if we get into a a chat about running the power um on the board you know we can sit on the board and we can discuss it and and kick it around and talk football for hours and hours and hours and then you know when we get together um you know, outside of here, maybe at a staff dinner or or a Christmas party or whatever. You know, we're still talking the same things. It's not guys that you got to pull their teeth. And then, uh, then another thing that kind of piggybacks off that work ethic. I always call them, and I apologize if you guys are flip flop coaches, but I always call them flip flop coaches. Guys that uh, guys that are walking around in their flip flops that won't won't ride the JV bus home after the game because they're big time. They got to drive their own car. They can't do laundry you know, they can't stay and make sure the little sophomores are, you know, have their ride home and stuff like that. And uh, those are, those are things, you know, that I always knew was important when I was an assistant coach, but as a head coach, you see, you know, just how important, you know, that thing that is. And so that, I mean, that's kind of one of the things that, um, you know, I look for, you know, I mean, it's, you know, ultimately you got a guy that has all that, but if you get, get a guy that has great attitude and work ethic and, and loves ball, then, generally they get get the picture if you if you ask them to monitor the locker room you know uh week four or whatever you know so so that's kind of my my thought process there coach what are some of the the things you do to to develop your staff i know in the past you've had you know i got the chance to come speak at a little clinic you guys had put on um do do you guys go to glazier clinics what are some of the things you have organized for your guys yeah, you know, um, number one, I try to provide any opportunity that I can uh, for those guys to go meet. Um, you know, we've got a quarterback club with a ton of resources, you know, and so if a guy wants to go uh, meet with a coach, um, you know, anywhere, I try to provide opportunities for that. Obviously, we've got to work with principals and stuff like that. We do a Wednesday night clinic um, here where we may call in. You know, I think 
Brady, we called you in to talk about pin and pull one year, you know, because it's something we were tinkering with and, you know, and, and so we had a lot of good conversation over that. Um, you know, of course, we do X's and O's labs, glacier clinics, you know, so we got access to all that stuff online. Um, I try, you know, one of my big deals is, you know, I know everybody, you know, wants to go hear this guy or that guy. <clears throat> but one of the things I like to do is try to take our entire staff to one clinic. And traditionally, it's been the uh, Lone Star Clinic down in College Station that Larry Zerline puts on. I think he runs an amazing clinic. But we're in Suburbans, you know, for seven hours getting down there, you know, where where generally we'll take two and it'll kind of be offense, defense. But we're talking ball, you know, all the way down there, talking personnel. And then on the way back, you know, we're going through our notes where everybody talked about. So I think that's a, a big opportunity. And then we make a connection and then maybe we'll go visit that place or – you know, uh, a few years ago when we were putting in a 3-4, changing up our 3-4, it was getting down to OU. And we had a GA, Corey Callens, that got us in there, you know. And so, um, you know, I try to provide any opportunity I can. And, and that's one thing that I talk about on my exit interview. Who are you going to visit this off season? What are you, you know, what are you reading? What are you doing? Just because, you know, I think if you're not constantly trying to grow, man, it's, it's easy to become a dinosaur in this profession. We were we were talking earlier, just right before the podcast started. Um, you were talking about you had your you had a, a microphone as well, a two way mic. Um, one of the first podcasts that I listened to, football wise, was actually yours, uh, Coach, uh, with Jake Alexander. How how did you yeah. get that started, and are, are you guys still doing that? Yeah, well, yes and no. Um, haven't done any haven't done any episodes since I guess maybe um, July or August last year when we did our last one before football season. Um, I've got a couple guys that I've talked to to get it going. It's it's in the trenches. We're on iTunes, but uh, I was driving to spring break and uh, everybody in my family had on, you know, earbuds or or. Uh, you know, their, their DVD player or whatever. And, uh, and so I kind of started listening to some podcasts that I downloaded, you know, I, I actually, uh, harp, I think they were, they were uh, workout or diet ones that I was listening to at the time or whatever. And, uh, I was like, well, I wonder if there's any good ones, you know, football wise. And so I found a, a you know, a couple of things at the time, you know, they, they were more like fan related as far as, you know, SEC, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and so I just thought, man, we got it you know, all these guys, and it'd be a good thing, number one, to to pick their brains. Number two, it would promote our offensive-defensive line camp a little bit. Number three, an opportunity for us to learn. And so we've got four episodes. We did uh, just Coach Clark and I, our first one, kind of trying to iron out all the, the kinks. And then uh, J.R. Conrad and I did one. Then uh, Jerry O and I did one. And then Jake Alexander and I did one. And so um, they're good, and I've really, really enjoyed all of them, man. I tell you what. Um, JR and Jerry O were just amazing, you know, and I, I could have sat there. I think we, we were on there an hour. I could have sat there for like two or three hours talking to those guys. Oh, that's kind of how I feel sitting here talking with you, coach. Um, one of the last questions that I know Harper likes to ask guys is, uh, kind of his go-to question about offensive line. If you, if you're watching the film, say of another offensive line, I know you'd said something about Stillwater's offensive line. Um, what what are some things that you notice right away that would make you say, you know what, that that offensive line's coached really, really well. That guy's a good offensive line coach. What are some things you notice? Well, it's details. And, uh, you know, so what I'm looking for is, um, 
you know, a, a guy's steps. I think you, you, even though, you know, one guy, you know, might be kind of a rogue or whatever, when you take a look when they're running outside zone or inside zone, you can see if those guys have been coached up on, on their footwork. Uh, second thing will be hand placement. Um, you know, where's their hand placement when, you know, we're, we've got a power combo or when I'm going to reach block or, or different things like that. And then also uh, scheme wise, man, you know, breaking down film, a lot of times, you know, I'll look at it and I'll be like, man, that seems like a dead play. What are they trying to get to? Why are they running that? And, you know, I don't know, I, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't, uh, you know, work through that on the board on the weekends, you know, I don't know, but this year, uh, we played Stillwater, um, let me see, first round of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they, they had been running through people and they had two really good running backs and just an enormous offensive line and they were physical. And you put the tape in, man, and those guys were, um, they were well coached. They were elephants on parade on their zone stuff, man. And, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, physical, they were playing till the whistle blow blue. You could really tell that, um, that their coach had been in their ear coaching them on the little things, the little details. And so um, I thought that all week and then they get down here and uh, I see the guy warming up and he's just a big, you know, mountain of a man, giant guy. And so obviously he's somebody that may have, may have played a little bit. And when I got to talking to uh, coach Barner before the game, it's Charlie Johnson, you know, who was there, who, who played there at Oklahoma state and then had a long career, I think with Indianapolis. And I was like, well, that makes sense now why that offensive line is so well coached, just the details. And so those are always things I look for, you know, uh, uh, Brady, I, when, when we played jinx, obviously your guys were always extremely well coached and I could kind of see that, you know, in some of the little detail scheme things that you guys were doing. And then, uh, um, you know, I think coach Greenwood also does a really good job over there. And so it, it's fun to, you know, especially when you're looking at teams in your district and you see the, see their film over and over and over each week. It's fun to see, you know, the guys that are, that are really working at it, that, that are really doing a good job, you know. No doubt. Well, well, we appreciate it, Coach. Thanks for taking, uh, taking about an hour and a half almost now. It went by pretty quick for us. Uh, thanks for taking that time out. I know you're busy, but uh, we, we really appreciate it. And I know I love it as a young offensive line coach trying to, trying to learn a, as much as possible from, from guys that have been doing it. Well, no, I've enjoyed it. I've learned a lot from you two guys and uh, uh, learned some technology too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on here and figure this Zoom deal out so we can do some remote sessions and, and I'll have you guys on and in the trenches. That's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank our sponsors, Team Attack Academy and Audible. Go get your free audiobook at rtpbook.com. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.